0: Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is My Daddy and What Does He Do? Yes?
1: Is your daddy a fireman? He's probably big. Is he a wrestler? Is he a basketball coach?
0: No, 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 no.
1: What's the
0: matter? I have a headache.
1: It might be a tumor.
0: It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all.
2: Hello and welcome to When We Were Young, the pop culture podcast that has yet to do an episode on The Godfather or Star Wars, but will happily spend close to four hours discussing the phase of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career where he couldn't stop making movies about babies. This is important. (laughs) This means something. (laughs) I'm Becky, and I'm the podcast host most likely to know that being a woman is a lifetime of leaking and swelling and spotting and smears, crippling cramps, raging hormones, yeasts, and that's if everything's normal.
3: I'm Chris, the podcast host most likely to die with a gun in one hand and a ferret in the other. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Seth, the host
4: most likely to be the answer to both the questions, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> that's what he does oh boy yeah i'm daddy and i do you (laughs) thank you for clarifying yikes in our
2: last episode (laughs) we took a look back at the 1988 hit film twins and the origin story of mr olympia turned action star turned comedy star arnold schwarzenegger in today's episode, we're making two more stops on the Schwarzer Preggers World Tour, stopping by 1990's <laughs> Kindergarten Cop and 1994's Junior, which re him with his Twins co-star Danny DeVito. All right, guys, who's ready to give birth to another great
4: episode of When We Were Young? <laughs> I'm crowning. <laughs> Gross. Jumping back in the glory Saturday morning, cause we both be cynical and radical.
1: Or it? Cause we were young Was it good cause we were dumb Do we
0: think it'll suddenly suck Now we're cheated and all grown up There was so much that we loved Do we think it'll make the cut Will it be a better or will it be fun Decades later will it still hold up This is when we were
1: young
2: All right, well, before we get started on Schwartz of Preggers part two, I just want to keep saying Schwarz of Preggers. It's a fun word to say. We have some new reviews, Chris.
3: We do. Cumulatively 10 stars in these two reviews. Ooh. Wow. Because they're both five star reviews. That's the minimum amount of stars that I expect from now on. And the maximum amount of possible stars. The first review comes from Yerenhu. We make no guarantees about pronouncing <laughs> no. anyone's uh, screen name correctly, but we do appreciate Yerenhu and their sentiment. Or Yeren whom the title of the review is "Love, Love, Love." As mentioned, it is a five-star mm. review, and they say you guys are by far my favorite podcast. Heart. Aww. Purple Heart. But I don't think it was a military intent in there. Yeah, we're not going to steal valor here. The way you discuss the 80s, 90s nostalgia is so much fun to listen to. Keep them coming.
2: We will. Thank you. Yeah, we
3: make you the solemn vow. We will indeed. The next review comes from Padilla J-M-E. Again, no promises that that is the intent of your screen name. The title of the review is Awesome, another five-star review. And they say, just now found this, and I am hooked as an 80s baby and 90s kid. This takes me back. Love it.
2: Your review takes me back to right now. (laughs) Thank
3: you. Back to the present.
4: But yeah, it gives me great joy every time someone responds to our show and gets some of the same things out of it that we get in making it.
3: Yeah, I love each and every one of the reviews that we got that is not just some asshole who's trolling (laughs) us, which has only happened a couple of times. We also have a new $5 a month patron on Patreon, so thank you very much for that as well. Their name is Colin.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much, Colin, for your generous contribution. You are helping to make this show everything it is, and more!
3: Yeah, we super appreciate all of our Patreon patrons. We have several very generous patrons, so thank you very much.
2: Well, I think that as important as Arnold Schwarzenegger is to these three Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I think it's also important that we talk about Ivan Reitman, who directed all three of the movies we're talking about in these episodes.
3: Absolutely. I would just like to say, for the record, the tally is Reitman (laughs) 5 (laughs) <laughs> Scorsese zero. <laughs> Again, this is not Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competitions, right? Well, Scorsese has won several of those as well. But uh, in, no, this is in just the petite for division, yeah. episodes of the podcast mm. that we have covered these people on.
2: Is Ivan Reitman the director whose work we've covered the most? How many Spielbergs have we done?
3: Fewer than this. Fewer I than think. this, definitely. But I'm sure that we've done some in more than five movies. Really? Gotta think about it. Cameron? James Cameron is up. No, there. well
2: Al- Terminator and Alien no
3: no I think
4: Ivan Reitman
2: is, is the most
3: he might be I'm gonna examine that and get back <laughs> to you later in this episode
2: Ivan Reitman was born in 1946 in Czechoslovakia both of Reitman's parents were Jewish his mother survived Auschwitz and his father was an underground resistance fighter his family fled to Canada as refugees when he was four years old He received a degree in music from McMaster University in Toronto, but while attending the school, he produced and directed several short films, which got him interested in filmmaking. He would go on to produce David Cronenberg movies, and he got into comedy by producing National Lampoon's Animal House. He directed Meatballs in 1979, another hit in the vein of Animal House, and from there, he would be one of the leading comedy directors of the 80s, in early '90s, directing films like Stripes, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Dave, the three movies in our schwartz trifecta, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, and Junior. He would also go on to produce Space Jam, Private Parts, Up in the Air, and the two Ghostbusters sequels slash reboots <laughs> in 2016 and 2021.
4: Why are you You're thinking of Private Parts, Up in the Air, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> Just waving all about. I don't remember that film. <laughs> Flying to and fro. <laughs>
2: Ivan Reitman, sadly, died at the age of 75 earlier this year, 2022. His son, Jason, is an Oscar-nominated director of movies like Juno, Up in the Air, Thank You for Smoking, and Young Adult.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now I can't stop thinking
4: of- <laughs> private parts up in the air.
2: <laughs> His daughter, Catherine Reitman, is a comedic actress known for her role as Maureen Ponderosa on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
4: So great. So great.
2: Before we go into talking about kindergarten cop and junior, I have a question. Who is your daddy and what does he do? (laughs) I'm kidding.
4: That's not really the
2: question.
3: (laughs) We already know the answer, apparently.
2: (laughs) My real question is, when you were a kid, did you think you wanted kids when you were a grown-up?
3: Yes, I think I did. I definitely always thought that I would be career first, but then have a family and always wanted, you know, to have the means to support a family relatively easily. Like that was just always part of it. But yeah, I definitely saw myself having, having it all, you know, literally. So yeah, I definitely did think that. My family is very family oriented, and I know that my mother, who is listening now, would love (laughs) grandchildren for me. She has grandchildren from my sister. But yeah, so I mean, it was, it always felt like it was something, I don't know if expected is the right word, but it was just like, it seemed like it was on the menu for. Like, it, it, like, not having children didn't even seem like it was a possibility, because it just seemed like that's what you do when you get older. You get married and you have children, and that's all people's path. I mean, it kind of seems like that, or seemed like that to me when I was growing up.
4: Yeah, I think I think that's a kind of that's part of the cultural programming we all get about what it means to be an adult in a lot of ways, and and a in a grown up to put it in even more preschool, kindergarten age terminology. You know, when you're like playing on the schoolyard, you know, even that idea of playing house itself always kind of seemed to imply, you know, like you're in this house, but oh, there are also children there, and you're raising those children. Yeah, I think I always. Saw myself eventually becoming a parent. I still think I will someday, hopefully. I like to be a part-time uncle in the lives of the wonderful children that my friends have had.
3: Soon to be a plus one. <laughs> yeah,
4: soon to be another one in that in that category of extremely awesome nieces. And yeah, I have always loved kids. I've always been able to relate to kids. Kids have always been very easily able to relate to me, because I'm a silly person who likes doing silly things. And so, yeah, that was one of those elements of, like, cultural programming that we all receive so heavily when we're growing up, but that, in particular, wasn't something that I felt a need to, like, really rebel against, because it always seemed like a fun idea to me. But I did also always kind of separate it from the idea of whether or not I wanted to like, personally, get married. I never really saw th- those things as necessarily inherently connected. Like, I was lucky to grow up with a lot of friends who had awesome single parents, you know. So, I had models for that early on for like, you don't necessarily need to have like a two parent heterosexual coupled household in order to, you know, have a happy, productive, healthy childhood.
3: Yeah. As you were talking, I mean, it kind of made me think of the assumption that I had as well that that it was easy to do, <laughs> right? Right. That the that it, that because it was kind of expected that it was something mm. that would happen easily and naturally. I think when we were growing up, it was something that was a little bit easier to do financially for a lot of people, and just and the journey of you know expecting that because like you know there were there have been times when it didn't seem possible that I could have a legal marriage and there still are and could be more obstacles in, you know, adopting a child if that's what I end up doing. So it's a a little bit hard to plan for when you don't even necessarily know if those rights will continue to be available to you or, you know, what kind of obstacles. We live in California, so it's you know a relatively safe state to live in for equal rights but you never know and and something that we kind of thought was always just going to progress getting better and better and getting more and more rights like marriage equality and and things like that you know anti-discrimination laws you know are actually going backwards in a lot of ways and we're just seeing I think more cultural pushback against it whereas it seemed kind of like it was a settled deal for you know a little while you know not that that's like the the heaviest thing in my decision making about it but it definitely it's it's hard to and I think you know some people take for granted that like family planning is hard when you don't necessarily know what is even possible for you and and the rights that you have are in flux
4: yeah that's very that's very true and I feel that a lot not just in terms of like imagining when I would like to start a family but even just in terms of things like career planning
2: I never wanted children.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Still don't want them now. Still don't want them now. No, 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 no. no.
2: I remember growing up being like, I'm not going to have kids. I may have been rebelling against the expectation that that's what you do. I also just never had a connection to children. Like, say I was a teenager, never had a connection to younger kids. I'm the baby in my family, so I never had little sisters or brothers. Never babysat, never wanted to babysit. My sister was a camp counselor. That never appealed to me, ever. The only relationship with a kid I ever had when I was slightly older was when I had I believe i was 14 and i went to weight loss camp and there was this 10 year old on the bus who looked pretty scared and i think this was my third year going and so i he was like do you want to sit next to me and i'll, I'll tell you about the camp and what it's like and we had a, a nice little sisterly relationship that summer it's funny i think i looked her up a few years ago and she's like you know an adult <laughs> it's just like <laughs> she's i have this not still ten. yeah she's not still 10 uh I, she's not imaginary <laughs> um and it was just weird to be like whoa that's what she looks like as a 30 year old or whatever and that was maybe the only relationship i ever had with a kid when i was slightly older that made me feel like i could be maternal in a way mm-hmm and was nice, but I just never thought that it was something I wanted I because that was responsibility that I didn't necessarily want. And that was just like something that I didn't crave. And I think that had I married somebody who definitely didn't want kids, I'm glad it didn't turn out that way (laughs) because I kept thinking I'm going to regret it if I don't because I'm a person that wants to do as much in life as you can do. And having children is part of that. And I always thought I would regret not doing it more than regretting it if I did and marrying somebody who always thought he was going to be a dad and had that drive I think I was probably gravitating towards somebody like that more than somebody who didn't want kids and I love my I love my daughter more than anything she's the love of my life (laughs) hated being pregnant with her hate being pregnant with number two but I'm gonna I'm gonna love them with all my heart and is I can't imagine not being a mom now so I find it very just interesting you know
4: where your life goes I'm I'm so surprised by that Like, and I'm so glad that you're a mom because I know it's not. Natural. I don't know if "natural" is the right word to describe mothering because it's like that takes it takes so much practice and learning things that you didn't know, no matter how much you go into it with. But like, you are such a natural at being a great mom. Thank um, you. and I'm like, I'm so glad that of all the people in my life, like you're you're one of the moms. Oh, thank um, you. It's it's really that. surprising that you <laughs> didn't imagine yourself being a mom.
2: No, um, never. And and it's funny, like like the first baby i ever held was like my baby <laughs> first diaper i ever changed wow. was my my chi- child's diaper like and you know clearly clearly it was meant to be mm-hmm. um i just i remember uh in in the the hormone stage of post giving birth <laughs> like it was like a few days or 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 a week after and just this rush of hormones leapt over me and was like, yeah, I need more children. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm so full of love. I need to make more love. Like getting
3: a tattoo, you want to get another tattoo immediately yes. afterwards. But
2: then the hormones subsided, and they're like, <laughs> mm, one more.
3: <laughs> you were like beating down the hormones, like okay, fucking curb it a
4: bit yeah, here. Jesus. But oh,
2: oh boy, that's that's <laughs> a thing, man. Is hormones make you do crazy things? But yeah, we're having one more, and then snip, snap. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right so guys let's talk about kindergarten cop how did you do it chris you you
4: introduce it
3: kindergarten cop
4: <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> it got so much better it really got so much better
3: well you know <laughs> between the episodes i practiced in front of a mirror about 80 times
4: Kindergarten Cop, released in 1990, directed by Ivan Reitman, as mentioned. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars as John Kimball, a tough police detective working undercover as a kindergarten teacher to apprehend drug dealer Cullen Crisp before he can get to his former wife and son.
1: I need to go to the bathroom.
4: Okay, you can go.
1: Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the tip.
4: The story was by Murray Salem, and the screenplay was by Murray Salem, Herschel Weingrod, and Timothy Harris. It was released December 21st, 1990. The budget was $26 million, and the box office worldwide was $202 million. Not too shabby. Bill Murray and Patrick Swayze were both approached to play the role of Kimball. Danny DeVito (laughs) was also considered for the role. But Ivan Reitman nixed the idea (laughs) due to the actor's height. Director Ivan Reitman and casting director Michael Chinich auditioned more than 2,000 children for the roles of the students. Elijah Wood unsuccessfully auditioned for a role. Schwarzenegger's contract stipulated that a private studio for daily workouts and weightlifting be provided for the actor and his personal staff. A suitable studio was located, but when an agreement could not be reached, the actor threatened to pull out of the production.
3: Came a long way from, uh, oh, I'll defer my salary just to <laughs> right. see if I can do this.
4: Right, he's feeling his oats by this point. A local business owner stepped in and donated unused commercial space deemed suitable for Schwarzenegger and the shoot continued.
3: Can we go back to the question of Danny DeVito was too short to play this role? But Did they think he was going to be like mistaken for one of the kindergartners? <laughs> I guess so.
4: Or just like he can't get enough of a height advantage to really chuck him any distance. I huh. don't know. I got some critical reviews. You better. Uh, reviewer Karen James of the New York Times said, Like Twins, which was also directed by Ivan Reitman, Nothing in the film is as funny as the idea of it. reviewer Rita Kempley of the Washington Post Whoa. said upon its release. I'm being paid for this, correct? A hun humbled by his energetic class. He first caters to their wins, but then discovers discipline. He teaches the children to march. To hold their water and to respond to whistled commands. Though Schwarzenegger remains to acting what ham hocks are to a cheese course, <laughs> he manages against all odds to be appealing as the Austrian au pair. Think of it as to Conan with love.
3: Did you write that? Or did Rita really rate that?
4: <laughs> I actually looked it up. It was actually Rita. It was all Rita. My God. A couple fun kindergarten cop facts. On April Fool's Day 2012, as a prank, the film was announced to be selected for release on DVD and Blu-ray as part of the Criterion Collection. It was officially released on Blu-ray, not Criterion Collection, in 2014, and Dolph Lundgren starred in a direct-to-video sequel, Kindergarten Cop 2, released in May 2016. And then also, Superhero Kindergarten is a superhero streaming television series starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, co-created by Arnold and by the late Stan Lee. It premiered in 2021 on Genius Brand's streaming service, Cartoon Channel, with a K, and Schwarzenegger has said the idea behind the making of Superhero Kindergarten came from his desire to do a sequel to Kindergarten Cop.
2: I've got some trivia.
4: Please, Becky, contribute more Kindergarten Cop
2: (laughs) In that scene where they ask, who is your daddy, what does he do? Those are all the answers from the kids. Those are the real answers. None
3: of those are scripted.
2: I don't know. It just says that's what they're just supposed to say what their dads did. Huh.
3: You tell me, who
0: is your daddy and what does he do? Get it? Okay, we start right here. You.
1: My dad repairs wreck cars driven by women who are pinheads. My dad doesn't do anything since the crash. My dad gives money to people that doesn't have money. And then people use that money and then they give other money back, and they give the same amount of money back to my dad. My dad doesn't live with us anymore. He lives in New York and drives a taxi. My mom hopes he's gonna die real soon. My dad watches TV all day long. My dad works on computers, and he's um, the boss of his company. And um, he has a mustache and a beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't have that much hair. And he, his head is so big that he can't wear any hats. My dad's divorced. My mom's divorced. My dad um is a psychologist and he helps people that are hurt or lost their feelings and um that's it Our mom says that our dad is a real sex machine
2: also uh, John Kimball reads a uh, a book before nap time, to the children. And it's uh, from A.A. A. Milne's book, When We Were Very Young.
4: I took a very nice screenshot of that. That's <laughs> going to be one of the photos we post along with it, because yes. it leapt out to me and made me very happy. Yes,
2: it made me very happy as well. It was meant to be, this podcast.
4: Thank you for those additional cop facts. Thank you. So, my beloved co-hosts, did you see Kindergarten Cop when you were growing up? Did you enjoy it? And what are your thoughts revisiting it now?
2: I watched this definitely growing up, but I think passages of it, I don't remember so well. Everything in the classroom, and I remember the fire drill at the end, like the end climactic last act, but a lot of it is lost to time, (laughs) so maybe not as memorable as Twins was for me growing up. Yeah, it was definitely one of those on cable versus owning on VHS for me. Watching it now, um, I thought it was, I thought it I didn't write any notes. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I I didn't have much to to say about it, which is kind of negative. It didn't blow me away. I thought it was fine. I much preferred twins. (laughs) I saw this after twins and I was like, oh, this isn't even like bad enough to be funny. And it wasn't good enough to impress me. It kind of like fell in the middle. By far, the more memorable moments were the kids in the classroom. And I just wanted more children in the classroom. And they're funny. Much like the
3: time that you <laughs> gave birth, you just wanted more children.
4: <laughs> also like the American school system, just cramming more and more yeah. kids in every class. Yeah,
2: exactly. I wanted more classroom hijinks and couldn't really care about the crime outside of the classroom. And, you know, the plot. <laughs> basically. I just like the filler moments with the kids. I mean, because some of the crime stuff was so stupid. Before his time as a kindergarten teacher, he's like busting criminals by literally like going into their lair with a shotgun. I'm like, are you a police officer? I'm sorry, what? It was bizarre, so not as well-written as Twins, comparatively, and just didn't didn't give me as lasting an impression, which is surprising, because when you hear Kindergarten Cop, I feel like you think, oh, that's like a classic Schwar- Schwarzenegger movie, but really it's like, there's like three lines, and they're all like stuff with the kids in the classroom, and the rest of it I think people don't really remember.
3: Yeah, this is the movie that I think has the most nostalgia of the three, at least, that I've heard of. I feel like not necessarily that people like it the most, but that people talk about it the most. It feels like classic is a kind word, but (laughs) a movie that people remember. (laughs) I had seen at least parts of it, but I don't know if I ever watched the whole movie. I know like I would often run into it on cable and maybe watch some scenes. I may have rented it once to watch, but there were a lot of things about this movie that weren't at all familiar to me, so either I watched it and forgot 95% of it or just saw some scenes on TV. Watching it now, I have questions about the science <laughs> surrounding hypoglycemia. <laughs> But we can get to that, since that's not the most important thing in the movie. This is a weird movie. Is it a comedy? I don't think it is, because it's not very funny. There's not even very many attempts at being funny. It's a funny idea, and again, like Twins, it's a movie where if you look at the poster, that's the movie. The idea is this man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is big and intimidating, teaching kindergarten.
2: Yeah, it's like Daddy Daycare or something, you know? Yeah, and
3: that's supposed to be funny, and in theory, it... Could be. And there are a couple of moments in this movie where it is, but very few. I mean, not very much of the movie really takes place in the classroom or has anything to do with the kids other than the kid in the drug-dealing plot. I mean, I have a lot of notes to, to talk about, you know, how the plot could be better, which maybe I'll get into later, but just the beginning of this movie is so off the tone of what you expect mm-hmm. this movie to be. He is walking around in a trench coat with scruff, like... Almost yeah. Not quite a beard, but like, like a Scraggle. Lot. he looks yeah.
2: weird. For Arnold? He looks like
3: a transient, but like a transient (laughs) bodybuilder. And then, like, wearing sunglasses, and it's kind of leaning on, I think, his Terminator image, but it really feels like a Terminator movie where he just literally, again, beamed in to this movie with no backstory. And it just goes to what we were saying in the last episode on Twins, is that it feels like writers can't imagine what Arnold Schwarzenegger's character was doing five minutes before this movie started. (laughs) Like, he's apparently been following this criminal for four years. The guy's a drug dealer, I guess, but it's such a convoluted plot and this drug dealer seems like kind of like a loser. Like, he's not very intimidating. And he
4: doesn't feel like he'd ever be hard to find or get. No. I'm like, what took you four yeah. years
3: here? Yeah, and is, there's just no context for, like, where he was following him. What Like, what does that mean? He apparently was working alone, which is not really what police do for f- four years so it's
2: again with a shotgun
3: yeah in like a what what is it a mall or i don't don't even know where he is it like starts as a i think it starts as a
4: mall yeah and then it becomes like her whatever secret drug layer den that woman hangs out in
1: so who are you man Shit! i'm
4: the potty pooper
0: hi cindy do you mind if I sit down? No, sit down, man. Oh, it's so nice to see you again.
1: What are you doing here, you asshole?
0: Cindy, I don't like you using foul language. not a classy girl like you.
1: Don't you have anything better to do?
0: You don't understand. I have nothing else to do and I have nowhere else to go.
1: Why are you staring at me like that?
0: I like you, Cindy. I'm going to be around you a lot. Days, nights, weekends, holidays.
1: No. No, you can't.
0: Yes, I can. I'm going to hang out with
3: you until the end of time. And then there's just so much setting up of this plot where like this woman apparently stole money from this drug dealer and then the goal is that they need her to testify against him. They somehow know what school her kid goes to and so the best way to like figure all this out is to go into the kindergarten and meet her son which doesn't seem like a way that would help find the woman because she's using an alias anyway and the kid wouldn't know any of this. So it's just like why is this the plot of this movie because it would be so much more clear and just a better movie if it was like, oh, I have to go undercover because a kid's dad is a drug dealer sure. live in the moment or yeah. mm-hmm. she's in witness protection and he goes as a kindergarten teacher to like keep an eye on her and make sure that like right. this guy isn't coming after yeah. her
2: simplify just yeah simplify the plot
3: it just doesn't make any sense and they have like a picture of her when she's 17 and they're like we got to find this woman but they don't like look at the woman <laughs> it's like these women look different like you can tell someone who's like 17 and then yeah 10 years later so it's just like it doesn't make any sense so not only is it a problem just from a like convoluted story point of view but it just sets up the wrong tone for this movie which almost seems like a very serious cop drama that then is like ridiculous by the end i mean it's overly violent than i think it needs to be for a movie that is kind of considered a movie okay for kids and isn't rated r i mean it's not really appealing to kids i don't think but it could be a family movie
2: i think it is supposed to be a family movie i probably saw this in theaters yeah um with my family because of the kid element. It's like, oh, it's for families. There's kids in it. It has um, a cute and,
3: font on the poster. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. kids are
2: saying silly kid things. Like, the, the tone is all over the place. I forgot about that. Yeah, it starts off so weird for, like, a Reitman movie, too. Like, you think that it's going to be, like, very light and,
4: like, with some drama. It feels, like, almost like Michael Mann. Like, really, like, dirty, grimy
3: It feels like 80s. a futuristic hellscape. It doesn't yes. even feel like Earth. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
4: I definitely saw Kindergarten Cop. I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I know I saw it like really quickly, you know, when it was on video and all over cable for a long time. I remembered a lot of images from this movie, nearly all of the kids in the classroom, even though that does relatively take up very little of the movie's running time overall. For what I don't know why, but I remembered there being a lot more footage of Dominic of the kid, the son of this woman who's been on the run from the drug dealer who's actually the drug dealer's, like, biological son who she's, like escaped to get away from him. And I don't know if what I previously saw was the director's cut, or I just, like, my mind just filled in blanks with a more interesting story where that kid had more to do. But, like, the movie sets him up as someone who's, like, really into gadgets and, like, spy stuff, climbing radio antenna towers, and that literally goes nowhere in this movie. And in my mind, I had another act, or half an act or something, where there was just more time spent with him, and there was almost none. Watching it now, I think this is a complete mess. I think it's certainly the case that there's a lot more remembered nostalgia about this movie, but I think it's from people who've not seen the movie since they were literal children. Because I just think this is such a mess and all over the place tonally. Not only that, but like, Chris, exactly as you were saying, like, it doesn't even try to be a comedy. It's not as though its reach exceeds its grasp and it's like trying to do too many silly plot devices or too many silly set pieces or something like that. It's just like, it's only trying to be like a very, very serious criminal intrigue thriller drama, but none of the guts of that type of story are even really there. They're not there in the characters. They're certainly not ever there in the plot. So there are all these cues given to us to try to force it to feel thrilling and action packed and suspenseful when it's none of those things at all. So it was really kind of disappointing to watch.
0: Your teacher mrs hagley had to go on an important trip for a few days where'd she go
4: that doesn't
1: matter did she die no lowell she went to see someone did they die
0: no lowell
1: everyone dies you know
4: i know but not for a long long time the scenes in the classroom between him and the kids are great. Like, they're great. But I think that the movie grinds to a complete halt whenever the kids aren't there, whenever he goes out of that classroom. And nearly all of this movie takes place outside of that classroom, away from the kids.
2: Yeah, a lot of the emotion in this movie is just not earned. I don't feel the romance between them I don't feel danger. I almost don't really feel like the connection with the kids because there's just not enough scenes in the classroom.
4: Yeah, it, it, it papers over, it doesn't even paper over that, because that would imply that there's more writing, but it feels like showing a single image of that, and like, hitting it over the head with a music cue, it feels like the filmmakers all thought that that was enough to make those moments land. But then they didn't do any of the actual work of grounding it. From what you just said, like, what really leapt out to me is the way that we're supposed to believe that he has this connection to these kids, and that the emotional purpose, that, that his emotional arc in this is him working out his relationship with his estranged son. But we never see that son. We never see any of their relationship together. We don't understand any of the reasons why his prior relationship with his wife or whatever didn't work out, or why he's not able to connect with his own child. Because in this movie, you know, despite the initial, like, wacky hijinks or whatever, he immediately connects to the children. He immediately, Mm -hmm. like, it almost immediately clicks for him how to relate to them at their own level, and how to, like... Again, like we're talking about with him in real life, like how to let himself be the butt of the joke to give these kids like an avenue through their kind of hesitation of him as this giant monster man.
2: Yeah, that's totally true. Like, I wish that this movie started with a, at least a scene of him trying to connect with his son versus just giving it to us in exposition. But if he actually like tried to call, maybe it was his son's birthday, and the mom was like, he doesn't want to talk to you or something, you know, like, they don't even have to be in the same space. But just Truth. having <laughs> yes. a scene where he's like, I'm trying to connect with my own son or my own child. And then he goes and has this opportunity to to make that up within himself. And then maybe at the end, he goes back because it's like he just tells the love interest he's like i have a son and he doesn't want anything to do with me but i'm not gonna leave you and dominic And i was like maybe this arc should be that you reconnect with your son maybe not necessarily get back together with your ex-wife but like i think that needs to be your arc
4: <laughs> right and also your arc needs to be to like let these people reestablish their lives and like figure out their family dynamic in a non-traumatic setting <laughs> yeah. like come
3: on <laughs> yeah and like it should inspire him to, like, call his son and try. It's, like, he doesn't even... He just... It's, like, a done deal. He's, like, uh, she yeah. won't let me see my son, so I guess I'll give up trying. And it's, like, n- no, this should... Like, in, at least... If it's not gonna start with the scene where he does that, then it should inspire a scene where Mm -hmm. he does that
4: totally and like just even a second of him allowing himself to be the butt of a joke or like having a moment where he's somewhat vulnerable or not super noble in like a golden person because like this movie like casts him in this like amber spotlight where everything he ever does is great and noble and forthright and if that's the case I don't understand how he would have a bad connection with his son
3: yeah but then he has this romance with this woman and has been lying to her the whole time there's just no like real Relationships there, so it kind of doesn't matter, but it's like, oh, you kind of were a jerk to her. And I think it's kind of a coincidence that the bad guy shows up at the end, but it would be a lot more interesting if he had like led the bad guy to her. It's totally random, you know, like this whole plot. And there's so little conflict in the main story of him being a kindergarten teacher. Like, you would expect parents to be mad, like the faculties to be mad, relationships with kids that need to happen. Like, he needs to get a kid over a few of something or anything give me anything but there's nothing
2: The conflict is I can handle criminals but kids I can't handle
0: shut up shut up shut up, shut up!
3: Shut up! and then he easily handles. Them. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It takes just a few days and he's fine.
4: And like the principal is played by Linda Hunt, who, for whatever reason, I also just really remembered her in this movie. I guess just her appearance. She's such an iconic looking person, like an unforgettable
3: face. I guess Danny DeVito is unavailable, so they needed another (laughs) very short person. A saying. The Danny DeVito role is Linda Hunt,
4: yes. But even his conflict with her is like immediately resolved. And like really what it's about is that like Principal Linda Hunt, like just uh, all this time, desired to see a teacher exacting violence against other parents who were, like, abusive parents. Yeah,
3: a scene that I actually liked in, like, Isolation, because it's, like, you expect her to be like, how dare you hit this other father, because he learns that another father is abusing a child... A child and the child's mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a weird way where it's like, it's not really about the child. And then Linda Hunt ends up just saying like, oh, I've always wanted to hit that dad or, you know, something like that.
2: You know, report them to CPS. (laughs) Maybe that's what we should do instead of punching them. He's a cop.
0: I have no idea what kind of police officer
1: you are. But you're a very good
0: teacher. Thank you.
1: Now, will you tell me something? Don't lie. What did it feel like to hit that son of a bitch?
0: It felt great. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early.
0: Thank you.
4: Yeah. (laughs) That's another thing I wanted to kind of bring up that's a through line in these movies, and it's a thing I've come to realize about the way that Schwarzenegger is used as a character archetype in his movies. He's the permitted vessel through which you can wield righteous violence. You know, whether he's conveyed to you as an alien from a totally different world, whether he's conveyed to you as a cybernetic robot from an advanced human society, or whether he's a cop-turned-kindergarten teacher, and even in Twins, this person, this one singular entity in that one incredibly hulking, almost alien-seeming body, really does, like, narratively always become this vessel through which... All violence is sanctioned, through which all violence has a righteous and holy mission. And I noticed, like, in all of these movies, that almost every time there's a character who remarks on that consciously. It's even, like, a runner in Twins, where, like, Danny DeVito's talking about, like... You know, I love seeing you hit a guy. And like he's in Schwarzenegger's character is even like, well, I hate violence, but you know, like that person, you know, I had to do what I had to do or whatever. So that was a really interesting like through line. And I obviously always knew that Schwarzenegger plays these violent characters, but there's something kind of totemic and symbolic about him and about the enormity of the body that he inhabits and the role that his characters play in these movies that just like I never connected that as like a through line before, but it seems almost
3: mythical now. Well, and the one scene that actually feels like it belongs to the premise of this movie is when he kind of militarizes the children and has <laughs> right them now. basically marching as if he's like a drill sergeant which is what you think the whole movie is going to be is him kind of you know like whipping these kids into shape using his like tough cop persona And that's really which is also thing. kind
4: of a description of what American schooling is like <laughs> now in 2022 militarizing a classroom doesn't make teaching more effective and it doesn't make children better students it just makes them more scared and unthinkingly obedient and unquestioning of authority and I thought that was also kind of an interesting turn especially learning about arnold schwarzenegger's own past and his own family history the way in which like the dynamic of this character's story very much replicates that in a more specifically american context your
0: kids are soft you lack discipline i've got news for you you are mine now you belong to me you're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches Oh no! It's time now to turn this mush into muscles. No more complaining. No more, Mister Kimblev, to go to the bathroom. Nothing. There is no bathroom.
3: Well, it would work if it like went anywhere from there. Is like, cause like that's a funny idea, and like the scene plays pretty. Okay, like, it's amusing. It's not, like, laugh out loud funny, but it works. But then, like, you would expect then, like, one of the kids takes it too far or, you know, parents, like, come and complain or, you know, that it builds on that.
2: You know what's a better version of this movie is School of Rock.
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, like, especially writing-wise.
2: Oh, yeah. It's just like the concept of somebody who should not be teaching children ends up teaching children. There's some fraud going on. And the children learn something. And the teacher learns something. And it's very funny and clever.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, And, you know, and and at the end of the day, everyone is better for this experience. But this is not that
3: movie. (laughs) Which (laughs) movie ends with a gunfight and a ferret attack?
4: <laughs> yeah. We need to
3: talk about both of these things. All right, the so ferret. first, no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
4: I want to save the ferret for last. First, I want to talk about what for me was the most emotionally jarring and surprising moment of this movie, which was the climax
3: shootout in the school. Yeah, that Um, plays differently than it probably did at the time.
4: Yeah. The bad guy sets off the fire alarms and kidnaps his kid out of school, and Arnold pulls a gun and is walking around the school wielding a gun. Hmm. He turns a corner and points the gun at some school kids who are still lingering around, and then he has a firefight in the locker
3: room of the school's gym. One of whom is Jason Reitman, by the way, one of those kids. was. um, Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny.
4: It was just so jarring because we now know what actually happens when police intervene or don't in a shooting situation at a school. (laughs) Or don't, is the... And we know that they aren't just the good guys who rush in and save the day. Watching this now made me think of the way that basically in every movie after Terminator, Schwarzenegger plays a character who is the good guy with a gun, who not only is deployed to use violence in a noble capacity to save people, but he always does it without any fail or any hesitation and, more importantly, without ever making any mistakes. He always only uses violence against the right people for the right reason in the right moment.
2: Which is interesting compared to my thoughts on him in Twins, where I felt like he was going against this perfect figure, where he was okay with making fun of himself and not being perfect.
4: He was, but in that context, he still wields master jiu-jitsu skills with no hesitation and with exactly the right targets every time. That is true. You know, so like, but I, I, I definitely consider this movie kindergarten copaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never really, like, connected that before or thought correctly. Critically about it. Emma!
0: Emma, take to your toy back to the carpet.
1: I'm not a policeman, I'm princess.
0: Take your toy back to the carpet.
1: I'm not a policeman, I'm princess.
0: Take it back!
1: All right.
2: yeah and I mean, you're right. It's definitely like good versus evil, good being cops, which was not unusual at the time. in fact, I mean that's not unusual just,
4: now still. that's just
2: the way things were for decades of cops in movies is that it's us versus them, them being criminals, and we're cops. And we're good.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still that way. And I mean, it's like the game that children play is called Cops and Robbers. You know, yeah. it's like, oh,
2: God, this could open a whole can of worms. But like, I feel like nowadays it's more like the military is good and the cops are not, it's not so much cop focused, but like US and military is good.
4: Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's true.
3: Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> it's definitely a wider problem. And I don't even think Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably the best example of that because I think it's just gotten worse that like you can be like a perfect killing machine and never make a mistake I mean this is just kind of criticizing like every action movie but there's so many movies where a character is so reckless driving recklessly through a town and you see cars crashing everywhere and it's like oh this hero is actually killing hundreds of people (laughs) or should be like would have no way of like not you know having some collateral damage. And I think it is a big problem that movies have created this myth that there can be a good guy with a gun who is always going to come in at the right moment and never going to fire at the wrong person, which we, you know, very much know happens Or in get real life.
2: scared... get get nervous. Well, and not only
4: that, but I mean, one thing it brought up for me was thinking about what I've learned about the way that police themselves are trained in this country. There's literally been a shift over decades toward a type of training that's called the warrior mentality, where police in districts across this country get taught by like Israeli secret service and militarized institutions from other countries that do just routinely assassinate and brutalize and torture people but that's how american police get taught to view themselves and how to view their role in society as being warriors so i think becky to what you were saying we've seen the
3: militarization of that Mm -hmm. concept of police being the good guys and i think one of the reasons that's coming up specifically with this movie is the weird way that it's set up and how it actually feels very divorced from any real police work like, he is on his own, like, looking weird, not even looking like a cop in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, he's
2: not wearing... I mean, I guess he's a detective, but he's not wearing, like, a uniform. He's
3: de- Yeah, he, he looks very conspicuous, for one thing. He doesn't look like someone who's under a cover. He looks like, yeah. look at me, I'm in a trench coat and sunglasses. And then there's just so little, like, actual, like, police... Detective work happening. It's just like he seems like a superhero who swoops in.
2: Yeah, superhero. Like he's very threatening. I mean, I keep going back to that shotgun, but I was like, what is he doing? Isn't he like an official policeman? Like, what is he doing barging in with a, a shotgun? And we're supposed to be like, yay, Detective Kimball. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of de escalation in, in movies with cops.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you even think of a, a movie with de escalation? <laughs> it's like now that I've pulled out my gun, I'm not sure. We really need to use these
3: bullets and guns here today. I think actually a social worker would be better suited for this (laughs) conflict. I'll give him a call.
4: I'm sorry. My training simply did not cover this scenario. (laughs) (laughs) I need to call in reinforcements. (laughs)
3: On that note, I think we need to mention Pamela Reed, who plays his partner. Phoebe O'Hara. I like her in theory. I like that it's (laughs) a female partner, which you wouldn't necessarily always assume is, like, the police partner in a movie. It's usually always a male, especially in, like, the 80s. She apparently was a kindergarten teacher before she became a cop, which is a very weird career Oh, I had a big old note about
2: that. What kind of work history is that?
3: That doesn't make any sense at a all. real
4: career pivot
2: she could have just said like i babysat a lot in high school
4: yeah, or I am a parent of children. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're like I got I got tons of nieces and nephews. Or she could have just been like I majored in education before going to the well, police but then academy. Also, like,
4: yeah. Who gives a shit? Because this movie incapacit incapacitates her for the entirety of the motion picture. Basically, well, I
2: guess the point was like here we have this perfect person for this sure. job. Uh oh, she can't do it. Here's this not perfect person for right. this job.
3: But she doesn't actually seem like the perfect person for the job because she's a strange character and she's a little hard-edged, too. She's not, like, someone you actually think of as a kindergarten teacher. And the movie makes this big overture to, like, tell us that she's hypoglycemic and she's always eating. And then she gets food poisoning or a stomach a flu. stomach which, flu. Which you would think would be the result of her hypoglycemia or something, but it, it's unrelated. So it's just like, why set up a big illness that she has yeah. and then just give her a random one?
4: It made no sense. And, like, I found that actress compelling and was like, wow, I wish she had a substantial role in this movie. There... Literally only in, like, a couple scenes, and among those, only a couple of those moments have any dialogue between them. But she's a really interesting funny foil to him in a way that that character of Kimball doesn't have an interesting foil in the rest of the movie! So it's like, Mm -hmm. as interesting as she was, I'm like, this is just the ingredient you have literally lying there incapacitated for most of this movie. Why is she not in more of this? I mean, I guess
2: the foil is the children.
4: Yeah, but the movie spends so
3: little time relatively with them, too. There could be a lot more like it does take the time to set things up like her fiance comes to visit and that's kind of a joke that's but then ki- yeah it has no consequence on the no, movie it's
2: weird honestly
3: it's like a kind of a funny scene on its own i kind of found the actor funny just because it was an awkward situation but didn't go anywhere and then there's a farce where she is pretending to be his sister so she has mm. to put on well her accent it sounds like a german accent but she's going for his accent which is a funny idea maybe like it could go somewhere but it doesn't really and then it just kind of gets dropped and so it's she's like in the movie too much to like ignore her and be like oh she's not important but then she's not in it quite enough or playing enough of a role for it to feel like she's really like sort of the second lead or whatever
2: she doesn't do anything she's just there so that arnold schwarzenegger has somebody to talk to and a reason for him to become the kindergarten teacher Mm -hmm. but like i wish she did things like yeah. i guess she kills the guy at the end she comes back and does that but that just seems like a little too late for me
3: okay and speaking of random female characters in this movie carol baker stars as cruella deville <laughs> or someone very much like her with a streak of yeah white like evil mad scientist white in her hair yeah. She is the mom of Crisp, the drug dealer, and she's, like, this... She's a very notable actress from, like, the 50s, so it was very strange to see her pop up in here. Okay, I figured she had to be someone. Yeah, she was in a bunch of, like, you know, kind of oscar movies. Like, she was a legit actress.
2: Was one of the moms of the kids uh, in Raging Bull?
3: Yeah, Kathy Moriarty. There you
2: go. Yeah, Okay.
3: Which honestly would have made such a better. She should have been the wife. She's kind of a red herring because I think we're supposed to think like because she seems the most like Mm -hmm. like a drug dealer's wife. But again, that doesn't really go anywhere. Like it would be yeah. It does have like a
4: half second of her being either Mm -hmm. like a. Like, the, the mall in the detective story kind of movie? Or, like, a, yeah, something like that. But a lot of those, like, half-set-up threads are just literally set up and dropped within the same scene. And it's like, so again, there's, like, not even the suspense there that the movie's clearly trying to get across. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like there is a lot of potential in that concept. They just, like, did not feel like exercising the thought in the story structure to really,
3: like, Play it all out. I don't feel like this is true, but it feels like there's a five-hour cut of this movie somewhere where <laughs> all of these storylines get developed more, and instead they just kept the first scene of every mm-hmm. plot line they were going to develop.
4: I think I saw the five-hour cut, and <laughs> the kid was like doing all kinds of spy equipment stuff. I swear, I have images of that in my head. The other thing that I clearly psychologically blocked out from my remembrance of this movie was that
3: Detective Kimball has a pet ferret. Pet ferret which is on the plane isn't on the plane but suddenly pops out of his bag like at a very weird time where it's like this ferret should have been introduced earlier how has it been so quiet up until now
2: so he just happens to have the ferret he doesn't like go get a ferret for the,
4: the kids
3: no no he has it he just it's his it?
4: pre-existing pet ferret
3: this is so and that
4: bizarre. is such a specific character detail like not every person in this world seeks out a pet ferret. It would make they are filthy land <laughs> eels.
2: It would make so much more sense if he's like, "What can I do? I'll go to the pet store." and get something versus I already own
3: this ferret. And they're out of dogs (laughs) or there's some kind of conflict so he's like we only have a ferret. Well I
2: mean a ferret is like a hamster or a gerbil like we had a hamster in our kindergarten classroom.
4: Like the scene writes itself. He goes to the only pet store in this small town. We're out of dogs. We're out of cats. We're out of birds. We're out of turtles. We're out of hamsters. We're out of gerbils. We have a very mean ferret. (laughs) Yeah. The ferret ate the last remaining guinea pig and the ferret's the only thing we have left like such an easy layup of a joke nope and there's like no explanation whatsoever but then of course they bring the ferret in to really cap off the climax of this shootout where the ferret bites the neck of the drug dealer therefore incapacitating him and saving the day
3: the drug dealer gave me serious low rent channing tatum vibes i kept seeing channing tatum the whole time But not a good version of Channing Tatum
2: Like Channing Tatum's brother who's not famous Mm
3: -hmm. The (laughs) Stephen Baldwin of the Tatum family
2: The baby in my belly is very upset at this movie (laughs) (laughs)
4: She is rolling around like crazy. (laughs) Well, you know what? I agree with her. The only other, like, tiny note ahead was that it was really weird seeing the whole Pledge of Allegiance read aloud by the whole schoolroom, and it made me kind of, like, think back of how I was really uncomfortable saying the Pledge, but I said it literally every day for the first, like, 16 years of my life before I finally realized one day, because I, like, saw a friend, like, not saying the words, like, standing up with everyone else, but, like, not putting his hand in his heart and, like, not saying all the words out loud. And I was like, wait a minute. There's no enforce. Are here. No one's going to come punish me if I don't say this weird Christian nationalist anthem. Oh, yeah. I stopped
2: doing it in the middle of high school, is when I. Yeah. It's like when you realize what you're doing. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah.
3: It's weirdly like a pledge allegiance is such a culty kind of thing. It's like, I don't really necessarily mind if there's something patriotic that everyone does, you know, every day. I mean,. I am not but for it. But why
2: why should it even be in our school? It, it this is a whole
4: <laughs> Well, but that was that was just like the kind of thing that again, it's like it only
3: occurs to me now rewatching mm-hmm. this movie. Like oh. if we sing the national anthem, that would be unnecessary and okay, fine, it's the national anthem. But this just sounds very militant. So it oh, is. It is. It is and it is. You know, and the under God part wasn't even added till the
4: anti-communism of the 1950s cuz communists were conveyed as like godless people.
3: And that will bring us to the third and final film of our Schwarze Prager trilogy. The third trimester? <laughs> yes. Yes! And that film is a little film called Junior.
1: How far long are you?
3: 21 weeks. Mm.
1: Is this your first? Yes. Oh. Have you thought of any names? Um,
0: junior,
3: if it is a boy.
1: Uh-huh.
3: And if it's a girl... Junior. There is a distinct lack of verifiable information on the <laughs> conception of this film. <laughs> it was it was created and devised in secret.
2: In a lab. Wanted,
3: <laughs> I wanted to know why it was made, um <laughs> whose idea it was, etc. Where it was made. While I was googling various phrases to find out more information, Google suggested I might be searching for when do babies giggle. <laughs> So, I didn't click on that. Junior was originally set to star Mel Gibson, but his church disapproved of their unnatural storyline. Oh, God. But you'd think they, of all people, would be sympathetic to stories of miraculous births?
2: Well, it's not like nothing happened and all of a sudden he's pregnant.
3: It's true, it's science-based. It was far too scientific for them. Well,
4: and also it gives the man the work
3: that And the pain that rightly belongs to women. So, Schwarzenegger advocated for Ivan Reitman to direct, mandating that he take over for director Brian Levant of the Flintstones and Beethoven fame. At the premiere of the film, guests were transported via universal tour trams to a soundstage decorated in a nursery motif with stork mobiles, a Toyland backdrop, and oversized building blocks. Hors d'oeuvres aka pregnancy munchies included salmon in barbecue sauce pizza and mushroom ravioli
2: and pickles and ice cream
3: probably served by male waiters dressed in wigs and made up to look like pregnant Schwarzenegger <laughs> Schwarzenegger said of this film up until now I've been taking lives now I'm creating <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> the Born Marketer. Junior was written by Kevin Wade and Chris Conrad. It stars Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, Emma Thompson, Pamela Reed, and Franklin Jella. It opened on November twenty third, nineteen ninety-four, debuting at number four at the box office that Thanksgiving weekend, when The Santa Claus, another comedy about a man growing a big belly, <laughs> was number one in its third week in release. On a sixty million dollar budget, it grossed 108 million worldwide, only 36 million of that in the U.S., so it was considered a disappointment, if not an abject failure. Or a miscarriage? (sighs) USA Today's Susan LaCezina said, No need to say hasta la vista to this baby, it's a keeper. (laughs) Don't abort this movie. Every single review had a pregnancy pun.
2: You'd get fired if you didn't.
3: (laughs) The LA Times' Kenneth Turan said, On one level, helped by Schwarzenegger's performance, this is certainly innocent fun. But if it's no longer acceptable for white folks to don makeup and mimic black behavior or for males to prance around being cliched limp-wristed gays, it is an interesting question why this kind of comedy remains more than acceptable. Put this in a different perspective, it is helpful to remember back to Dustin Hoffman's deft role in Tootsie. He too wore a dress and came to understand things about the opposite sex he hadn't before, but that film treated him as a most unusual woman, not a non-stop cliche. What?
2: What? Is that if you were trying to say that it's a good thing or a bad thing? I it's trying if, to problematize black talk- it. it.
3: Is okay why is this okay i think is what he was going for we will debate that and other questions i, I doubt we i doubt we will and then there was the washington post's Rita accompli
4: yay i'm being paid for this correct
3: who said from terminator to incubator <laughs> from steroids to estrogen From buns of steel to bun in the oven.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Too easy. Too easy.
3: Arnold Schwarzenegger gets in touch with his feminine side in Junior. A fleecy romantic caper with a dusting of feminism. The picture is basically a one-joke movie successfully nursed by director Ivan Reitman. So, reviews were mixed. Not as negative, actually, as I thought they might be. There weren't very many harsh reviews. There were a lot of middling reviews. They were all pregnant with puns, though.
2: I have some junior facts. Junior facts. Arnold reportedly spent time in the waiting room of an OBGYN office to see how pregnant women behave. I want some security footage from the waiting room.
4: I want that footage. (laughs)
2: Because the way that pregnant women would behave is, oh my God,
1: that's Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting next to me.
4: There's a scene in that in the movie where he's in the waiting room of the obstetrician's and it felt like something that was informed
3: by... Well, he might have been in that very convincing disguise as A woman. When oh, then that. they
2: would have
4: no
3: idea. Yeah. He was deep undercover. There's no way they could know. Or maybe he wore a trench coat <laughs> and sunglasses and had horrible scruff and was uh, carrying a shotgun.
2: I just found that very funny. Like, how do you think they're going to behave? They're going to be staring at you. <laughs> like...
3: They're all going to forget that
4: they're pregnant for a moment. <laughs> yeah. It's the one thing that could make them forget that. I think
3: I picture him, like, behind a bush. like, <laughs> <laughs> But
4: Picking the bush through. is only, like, a foot shorter than he is.
2: I also read that an early cut of the movie included an abortion. abortion. Abortion scene, and there were heavy reshoots to take this out to avoid being too politically sensitive.
3: And I did a lot of Googling trying to figure out what that abortion scene was.
2: Maybe they were just considering an abortion?
3: Are you getting gl- one? I would absolutely love to see that.
4: Uh, listeners of the show, if you have any connections to the Reitman <laughs> family.
3: There was very little Googleable information expounding upon any of these topics. So, did you guys see Junior back in 94 or any time after? And uh, did you like it this time around? I know that I've seen this movie before. I believe I might have watched it with you two,
4: hooligans. Mm-mm. No, did we not do this as a no no then i do not know where i watched it i've (laughs) seen it as an adult i think i remember like how did this get made or some kind of podcast show like that did a review of that movie how did this get made
2: did it yeah Yeah. and and i know i'm pretty
4: sure i watched it after that just especially seeing the screen stills of when arnold is having daydream nightmares about having a baby and it's a baby but with his adult face cgi'd onto it and i'm going to include at least a couple of those screenshots in our posts (laughs) and we'll include that photo in every holiday card I send to Chris and Becky from now
3: on. We don't, we don't talk about that, baby.
4: I'm pretty sure that I saw it as a kid, but this movie didn't stay with me like Kindergarten Cop or like Twins did. And I don't know why, because I feel like the high concept of this is somehow even more outlandish than either of those. But yeah, I only watched it as an adult for irony purposes
2: I definitely saw this in theaters. I think I remember seeing this in theaters with like my mom and sister. It was a big hit. I remember people laughing. Yeah, I remember people really liking it. Don't think I owned it, but it's a movie I probably saw a few times in my youth, but not since then.
3: I am pretty sure it was a rental for me. One of those movies that you're very aware of when it comes out. It's very high concept, it's, you know, marketed as a big movie. Was aware that it didn't quite blow up the way that twins or kindergarten cop did it was kind of considered a failure or at least a disappointment but it was like worth a rental you know you're like again the poster is the movie like (laughs) it only works if you have arnold schwarzenegger with a big old belly Mm -hmm. on the poster so that's what got me to swipe that video rental card (laughs) and i don't think i really liked it i think you know it was kind of okay and i never saw it again so how'd you like this baby now (laughs)
2: I think I should go last, Seth.
3: I want to put this baby in a dumpster.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ!
3: (laughs) I know people who will adopt that baby for you. (laughs) You
0: Hello, there's a baby here. Uh, there there must be a mother.
1: Hello?
4: There's a baby. (coughs) It's just... It's so silly. I love so many of the component parts of it. I love Emma Thompson, but it's all just so stilted and kind of scattershot. I just think it's a much weaker movie overall than especially compared to twins is the one I compare it most directly to for pretty obvious reasons. They make a great pair, like Arnold and Danny. They are they are, you know, two of a kind, but ugh, I don't think any of the writing is there. I don't think it's really coherent at all as a movie. It just kind of leaps from weird plot device to weird plot device. This movie definitely tries to be funny, and just like often fails to be funny in my view. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm interested to hear what y'all thought of it now because I, I was definitely not a fan.
3: I have questions about the science. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is that the title of this episode? <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: No, I thought this was brilliant. <laughs> How's my acting? Was that convincing? Yeah, watching this so closely with twins, where, you know, both are Schwarzenegger and DeVito, both, you know, based around science-induced pregnancies, which is a very odd thing to do two movies that are otherwise unrelated about. The Bloom is off the rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a funny idea, so I get why they made this movie, but... Again, like, Kindergarten Cop, actually, it's such a weird tone. It goes for a lot more drama than you would expect and makes an effort to make it more plausible than it really needed to. Like, like why not just be, like, fantastic, you know? Like, it, it didn't really need to be science-based. I think, like, if you just found, like, a way to be like, what, this man is pregnant? Like, it would just be, like, funnier. Like, it didn't need all the stuff about, like, getting grants and being kicked out of your laboratory like it takes up so much screen time of this movie and Uh, drugs to help monkeys become pregnant
2: do you mean that they shouldn't have been scientists it should have been like a freaky friday situation
3: yeah or maybe a really quick like i need a quick buck i'm gonna go to this lab and do whatever they want me to do and then the rest of the movie is just the consequences of that
4: or emma thompson's a mad scientist And find subjects for her mad science experiments.
3: Yeah, they obviously, like, started with the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger is pregnant. But again, like, kindergarten cop and a little bit like twins is, like, they come up with the most convoluted way to get there. And it's just, like, you don't need to do all those jumping through hoops because we're—it's already, like, a ridiculous premise. So just, like— be like okay this is ridiculous let's go
2: here's a pitch (laughs) arnold schwarzenegger is married they have a a child who's a couple years old wife had a very hard pregnancy but he really wants more kids he wants he wants a huge family and she doesn't want to do it and somehow there is lightning in the sky he wakes up one day and he is now the one that is pregnant Mm
3: -hmm. or you know like she wishes it or he's like you need to do this and then she's like if you knew it it was like you wouldn't make me do this And then yeah lightning from the sky
2: yeah or like and he's like i would totally do it if i could but it's impossible Mm -hmm. you know i hear that a lot from husband
3: (laughs) i would like to know from a woman uh, but i'll start asking you a question as a woman would you be offended if i stole one of your eggs and (laughs) fertilized it without telling you Would that be a problem? Would that be cool with you? Yeah,
2: that's one of my major notes is DeVito literally stealing a woman's egg, which is just so ethically wrong on so many levels. I'm currently nine months pregnant. This baby could come out by the time this episode ends. So that's how close I am. I think I see a little something. <laughs> is that? Oh, look at that. Wait, it looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger! <laughs> ah!
3: CGI! No! Ah! Mid 90s CGI, no! <laughs> Uncanny baby.
2: According to this movie, when you're (laughs) pregnant, this is what pregnancy is. You get emotional and cry at commercials. You get enthusiastic about food. You're basically stoned, or you act like you're stoned. Your skin is very soft. (laughs) and it makes you delusional that's what being pregnant is in this movie
4: please check out right it is
2: it is the nine months of pure torture of of gestating a a human life that i just was furious at this movie (laughs) just like absolutely furious this is a silly movie it's not a movie you should get mad at but i am
1: (laughs) because i'm nine (laughs) months pregnant
2: and i know what it's like this is my second time i'm going through this and it would have been intriguing to have arnold be himself and be pregnant and understand the reality of what it's like to be a woman and be pregnant and have to go through these things but instead this movie is about him basically playing gay being in drag it's not about him learning anything about a woman's experience it's about him being silly in a wig and a dress and acting i guess like a woman but i guess you could say he's acting very fay it could have been an interesting statement about that men are just as connected to their children as women, but instead it's just, like, you have to have him becoming a woman. I was just, like, what a missed opportunity to learn about, like, what women actually go through, because everything in this movie is just such a cliche. It's, like, so cliche, and- I get that you want those cliche moments because it's like, oh, it's funny seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger go through them, but it felt like there was no point to this besides look at funny Arnold in a dress and a wig and a, and a baby bump and look like not his finest form of like bodybuilding Arnold. That's what the point of the movie became. And in them trying to go that way, it's just like they completely avoided all science. (laughs) They avoided all meaning of like what it's like to be pregnant in actuality. I just had so many issues (laughs) with watching this movie being currently pregnant. It made me so mad. (laughs)
3: yeah i mean i don't think they get very much into it but like like at least if they had been like injecting them with hormones or something like i don't know i think they
2: are injecting them with hormones but like okay this literally could not happen for a billion reasons (laughs) but here's number one is that a baby needs a womb to live in it can't just like live in a pocket in your body (laughs) like it how does it get nutrients
4: (laughs) they talk about how it's gestating in the perineal cavity isn't that the taint I I guess like but like that's not how the body works. It's not how a body works. That's not at how all. the body
2: works. Like I'm just like it's one thing they could have been like we put a fake womb in you. But it does wouldn't go anywhere.
4: <laughs> you need free real estate
3: and I, he's got none. I looked this up. <laughs> oh no. Abdominal pregnancies have happened. They're very rare. But the science is actually not quite as far fetched as I thought it was when I watched this movie. And those
2: babies survived?
3: Very, 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 very rarely. So, mostly, (laughs) it it would be a huge danger to the baby, and it would be a huge danger to the parent. But, like, the actual science of putting the baby in there could work.
2: Theoretically.
3: Yes. Not as done here. But, yeah, I mean, it's wild that the actual idea of putting it in a man could work. Like, the survival is kind of the issue.
4: Well, yeah, and, like, there's a lot of connective tissue and organ systems
3: that have to support the nutrition and the circulation of blood. Yeah, you would have to do a lot of like giving the baby the nutrients, I think, instead of like what would naturally happen in a normal Right, you'd,
2: it would be it would look completely different than a normal pregnancy where I I eat food and food go into baby. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like it's like I get it. It's a movie. It's a silly movie. We want to sell movie tickets and see pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger. Don't think too hard about it. But it's like, come on, then figure out another way to do this. That's
3: why, yeah. It's like don't do the science plot because then you're inviting all these questions. Like if you just do magic plot, then it's like, okay, well, who cares? Like how. This is working because it's magic.
1: You wouldn't be pregnant, pregnant. Sort of a guest host
0: situation. We fertilize the egg, we implant it in the peritoneal cavity, we dose it with expectate. Tiny thing, grain of rice. You carry it through the first trimester, we get our data, boom, it's over. Is it possible? Who knows? Natural? So what? Good science. You bet.
2: Yeah. It feels like this movie should have been titled, We've Literally Run Out of Ideas.
4: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> here is Pregnant Schwarzenegger.
4: <laughs> that's what it feels like. Should have just been called Pregnant Schwarzenegger. That's right. Or
2: Schwarzenegger. I I bet you that's what it was called in other
3: countries. <laughs> it was called Oh Baby, originally. <laughs> oh no. So the first line of this movie is, Hello, there's a baby here. In Arnold Schwarzenegger voice.
4: Oh, yeah, he's, like, dreaming, right? He's having all of these
3: dreams about libraries full of babies!
2: But, like, why? Why is he having no idea. these dreams? It doesn't
3: make sense, because they don't set him up as someone who's, like, afraid. Like, it would make sense if he was a father expecting or something like that. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't seem to have any anxiety around babies, except for that he has these dreams. But, yeah, so I have the same problem with this movie that I had, kind of with the other ones, in that Schwarzenegger doesn't have a character. And this is the worst, I think, offender of all of them, is just that like he's he's kind of playing like the same character in Twins, like of a like foreign born genius. But there's no not even like the backstory that twins had where he's been on an island all this time. Mm -hmm. But he's acting like the same kind of person who has never who has literally never existed until this movie starts like he doesn't feel like he has any backstory
2: because he has no family he's no wife
3: yeah and he's again kind of clueless and it just like there are so many like ways you could set up this movie and it's just like that's the least interesting way and he's just he's so boring as a character like what what traits does he have as a character like how would you describe him as a character
2: yeah i he's boring i would just say it's it's
3: inert yeah
2: because the whole point isn't his character it's look at this bodybuilder pregnant and then later in a dress and a wig.
3: But why not you, like why not then make him a bodybuilder? Like that would be funny. Like Which, a like, bodybuilder or whatever kind of like you could be an action star, you know that like whatever. I am hard-pressed to even answer the question, who is this daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs>
4: like what I it just occurs to me now, but like, what does Schwarzenegger's character actually? They're
2: geneticists. He is too. They they both are. Him and Devito play research geneticists, and they are creating a fertility drug that can prevent miscarriages. So the whole point of this is that the FDA doesn't allow them to test the drug on pregnant women, so instead they test it on Arnold.
4: I think that the secret ingredient of all great comedies is discussions of FDA approvals. <laughs> air rights it's the secret sauce really air I'm, rights exactly I mean,
2: yeah here's another pitch uh <laughs> based off of something you said where uh maybe he has a family or not even a family me or i don't know like maybe he's hard up for money in some way and he sees like some some experiment or maybe his friend is a scientist
3: his friend danny devito danny
2: devito of course and he doesn't know what he's signing up for he gets a, a shot and then the next day he's pregnant or something
4: the next day there's a bump in the road and they
2: don't have to like go further into it and it maybe it shouldn't be devito because maybe we don't see that character again he like gets his 50 bucks and then we don't have to be have to explain everything and then maybe Devito's his old college buddy who like has to they they learn about being a family man together having to deal with
4: his emma thompson mad scientist she could have been the person in charge of the clinical trials
3: or something like that you know like Yeah, I have a pitch as well, which is based on the one kind of moment of this movie that I thought was showing some kind of interesting character development and promise, which is when he has a scene with Danny DeVito's ex-wife, who is also pregnant.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You
0: think it's serious?
3: Well, I'm in a particular vulnerable stage in my life right
0: now, so I'm taking it slowly. It's very smart. Mm -hmm.
1: remember those ribs
0: how about you and the father
1: oh I haven't heard from him since it happened bastard oh, I never expected to hear from him I'm happy I love
0: being pregnant it's just that I'm not 21 anymore I'm single
3: it's a little bit scary tell me about it mm, love those pitos. And that was the interesting part of the movie was him relating to another woman who is pregnant in a way that he never would as just a man, you know, who hasn't experienced this. Like, they're sympathizing and eating together. Commiserating. Yeah, yeah. and I thought it would be so much more interesting if she was the love interest. And, like, it's, like a, it's a movie about a pregnant man and a pregnant woman, like, falling in love and bonding. I
2: mean, that's interesting. Or just even if they were bonding over something, though, that... That was something that mainstream movies don't talk about, like...
3: The bloody show.
2: The <laughs> bloody show. Um, like, how about the fact that, like, right now I'm suffering from extreme carpal tunnel, which is something that, like, I had no idea was a thing in pregnancy. How about the fact that, like, um, there's a thing called metal mouth, where you just taste metal in your mouth for a day or two. Ever heard, ever hear of that? That's a thing in pregnancy. <laughs> No,
4: no, I didn't get that memo that explained what metal mouth is, No, but it's a
2: thing, and it's like when these things happen to me, I was like, what the fuck is happening to me? And I had to Google it and be like, this is a pregnancy side effect, and I was like... Why does, the, why does media just tell me that it's just vomiting and eating a lot and crying at commercials? Like, that's it. And and being hormonal or something.
3: Maybe if he ate more pickles and ice cream, you wouldn't be able to yeah. taste the metal.
2: I'm just like, if they had done anything, Arnold could have asked, like, hey, are you suffering from this thing? And he, she's like, yeah, I am. You know? Mm-hmm. Something that would have been like, he's learning about, like, real stuff. Even just one line would have been, like, less of a cliche.
3: Like, having a real relationship with a female, even if it's not romantic but a friendship or something that actually gets developed because... Emma Thompson is his love interest here. Emma Thompson, fairly fresh off an Oscar win, Mm -hmm. she had just won an Oscar for Howard's End in 1992. She then, in 1993, had two Oscar nominations that she didn't win. Stars in Junior in 1994, and then in 1995, wins one Oscar and is nominated for another. So this movie comes between multiple Oscar wins and nominations.
2: (laughs) to be fair, like, that's what people do. They get a huge paycheck in a big studio movie.
3: She spends a scene of this movie <laughs> with a piece of cheese stuck to her face. I know.
2: Of course, they give her, like, the... Ooh, klutz. There's literally,
3: like... I think there's
4: a pratfall she does in every single scene she's in.
2: I mean, this is, like, where... This is, like, part of the cliché of the the klutzy woman. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. not gonna give her a personality... Instead, we'll just be like, she's beautiful, but oh, she's flawed. Watch well, her go down.
4: Well, or, or specifically, she's smart, so she has to not be able to
3: walk without falling on herself.
2: <laughs> Basically.
3: Women can only do one thing at once. Women they can either solve world hunger, but do it tripping down a flight of stairs. That's <laughs> right. Or just cook.
2: She basically sexually assaults Arnold the moment they meet.
3: She, like, mm-hmm. falls
2: on top of him and just starts kissing him.
3: That's but, right. Okay, this is after she is introduced zooming in riding on a crate full of frozen ovaries. <laughs>
4: <laughs> fro <ovaries. laughs> They
2: literally were like, we want Arnold to be pregnant, and this is the story <laughs>
3: It's so convoluted. Her like they end up sh- sharing a lab, and it, so much of the movie takes place in this drab lab. You could set this movie, you know, anywhere, mm-hmm. any other kind of workplace that would be much more interesting. And then Danny DeVito steals her egg, and so then the plot has to become like a romance between the person who has your stolen and fertilized without your knowledge egg inside him, like. Yeah. It's very convenient that they fell in love even before she knew this so that they can stay together and she gets to raise her baby. But what if not? Like, yeah. Then what happens? It's just like, ugh, so contrived. Does
0: my body disgust you?
3: What? your body.
0: Is it disgusting?
4: No. No. No, what? what? Oh, no. No, I mean, I, I, I like upholstery on a man in fact i was madly in love with my cousin trevor for years and he was very portly
0: maybe it's physical this connection oh yes of course no it is definitely physical out of the blue I, i i get these sudden these pangs of concern for your for your well oh you mean thanks. Yes. I hadn't thought of that. I have.
2: It's also like, again, this is a big studio movie and they're not thinking hard, but it's like the survival rate. (laughs) The baby or the person carrying the baby is not even explored.
3: Yeah, there could be a moment. It doesn't have to be, like, the most harrowing thing, but there could be a moment where they're like, oh, we don't know if this baby's gonna survive, like, it doesn't look like it, like, an emotional moment.
4: Or there could have been a complication in the pregnancy, like, an abruption or something, like...
2: Or, like, you know, there's a chance you might, like, we why does he want the baby why does he want to continue this where's the backstory of what it means when he finally becomes a father like where is that like why is that decision made where he's like actually like no i need to keep my baby just because he's currently pregnant that's not enough like you need to have something where something in his past was like, I feel like maybe I was lost and th- and this is something, you know, like, this is changing me or, you know, like, there's just nothing there of why he makes that decision to because at some point Danny DeVito is like, okay, this is over. Like, we're, you know, I guess going to abort. Like, I don't know what the terminology is for this kind of thing because he doesn't have a womb. But. <laughs> um, uh, but like, yeah, I was just like, what? why does he make that decision? Because so many things could go wrong or it didn't seem like he really wanted to be a dad or a parent. That didn't seem like that was a thing. I know that's a thing in Danny DeVito's character that he was very upset that his ex-wife got pregnant. I liked that at least. Yeah. I liked that character of like, oh, like that gave him something to play with.
3: Yeah. Arnold is very like cold and European, which is not really the kind of character he usually plays. He's usually like a warmer character yeah. like someone more likable and I guess they were probably going for that even this like cold chilly remote man can be turned into the most emotional person by having a child I, I guess that's what they're going for I don't think it works but yeah it would be so much more interesting like if he was in a relationship at the beginning of the movie and maybe the woman is like upset by this or grossed out by this or whatever and she leaves him and like he has to make a choice like oh I'm gonna choose this baby or oh, over the relationship mm-hmm. that I had with someone who turns out to be the wrong woman. And then maybe he starts another one with something. But so much of the screen time is just wasted on really weird, boring locations, weird subplots. It's like all they had was the idea. And then it, they just went with the first thing that they thought of and never like were like, mm, what about this instead?
2: Like, I also, like, I want to see a movie. I don't want to, but... (laughs) I'm picturing, like, a more modern day, let's say, like, a Seth Rogen type or somebody like Paul Rudd or something, like, they're a man who's pregnant. I can't see them getting in a dress and pretending to be, like, very feminine. Like, they would be a dude who's pregnant. And that's a movie idea. Like, if a guy actually got pregnant, what would a guy act like? And if, if he wasn't trying to hide it, you know what I mean? Like
3: they did not know what to do with the third act of this movie because it comes out of nowhere. I I was watching this movie and then, like, looked away for, like, 15 seconds to, I don't know, like probably write a note in about this movie, like, and look back up, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is wearing a dress and a <laughs> wig, and in this pregnancy retreat where there are many other women who seem like they are just there for the long haul <laughs> with Anna Gunn <laughs> from Breaking yeah. Bad. But I was just like, what did I miss? Like, did I miss a whole tootsie? Like, <laughs> like where did this idea come from? How are they convincing people? Because he obviously looks really ridiculous and not like a real woman. And there's no setup of this. No, like, oh, this is why we have to do this. Like, they're trying to hide from their former boss. But is that the easiest way? No. (laughs) Right.
0: When I was a sportswoman on the East German Olympic track and field team, they dispensed anabolic steroids as freely as here in America, the dollar Gatorade. They pushed it on them. I mean, just nothing was mentioned of the side effects. That are now so obviously painfully apparent. But I'm all woman. Believe you me? Of course. I'm almost eight months pregnant and malarious to travel on business. Yeah, I, I dread the thought of leaving her helpless and alone. But
1: and... oh, that's why we're here. Oh, Alexandra, you've come to the right place. And may I say something else? What? You are beautiful. Thank you. Yes, you are.
0: Thank you.
3: It's a really bizarre turn that then turns us into a completely different, like a kind of a bad tootsie. Some like you're pregnant, like...
2: (laughs) They're trying to hide, yet who is going to perform this birth? They're going to see he's a man.
3: Well, I'm sure, and I'm sure, like, at this pregnancy retreat, they have other, like, they probably have doctors who examine you. I'm sure they have, like, activities or, you know, something that would be a conflict.
2: Yes. Do you know how many times you have to get your cervix
4: checked? (laughs) Like, Right!
3: It's a movie that did not ask any of the relevant questions
4: to actually, like, ground what's happening in characters or in...
3: Logic. Two things I didn't need.
2: <laughs> <laughs> CGI, CGI Arnold, baby.
3: Okay, that's three. <laughs> one, to hear Danny DeVito tell Arnold Schwarzenegger a big load way to go. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's the first. The second one is to see Arnold Schwarzenegger eating birthday cake off a of baby's foot. <laughs> I
2: don't Said at the end, yeah. Oh,
3: (laughs) he is literally eating cake off his baby's foot.
2: Oh, I don't know. Baby feet are cute.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know mm -hmm. if I
2: would eat cake off her foot, but
3: much like the ferret in Kindergarten Cop,
4: I mentally blocked that out. I I, I kiss my baby's
2: feet a lot,
4: but you don't eat
3: cake off her feet. No, 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 no. and even if so, don't put it in a movie. Like, I know that's not his kid. (laughs) Like, that's someone else's kid that Arnold Schwarzenegger is eating cake that off their foot. That
2: would be weird for my baby to be in a movie and Arnold Schwarzenegger to eat cake off my baby's
4: foot. going to be your baby's claim to fame forever. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger ate cake off my foot. Okay, baby, let's go to bed.
3: <laughs> in the next National Enquirer.
2: <laughs> Look, my kid sneezes into my mouth all the time. <laughs> so there's no boundaries, but I guess, I don't know. <laughs>
3: Some things are meant to stay private. I will say, since we talked about in the twins episode that they are making a sequel, potentially, Junior would now be 26, and I'm really curious (laughs) (laughs) for that sequel. What is Junior up to now? Who was your daddy? Who was your mommy? What were those conversations like?
2: Yeah... I don't know, man. This is supposed to be just a silly romp, but when you're actually watching it, you just like, oh, shut up. Ugh. <laughs> uh.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, and it wasn't as quote-unquote bad as I was expecting in terms of, like, nothing in it is overtly bad, it's just that the whole thing is so misconceived that it doesn't work. Like, misconceived. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not, like, I was expecting there to be, like, ridiculous, okay, so, like, when his CGI face is on mm-hmm. a, a baby, that's bad, and that's ridiculous, and... I was expecting the whole movie to be those kinds of, like, I can't believe they thought that this was mm. funny or good, but it's just, like, it's, like, not even... Like, the the setups aren't even there for, like, really good, like, jokes.
4: Yeah, it just feels, like, so under baked, And, again, just, like, they stopped thinking after
3: the moment that someone pitched the actual concept. They put a bun in the oven, but the oven wasn't even on. Oh. <laughs> it was an easy bake
0: you're the first clown who ever woke up one day and said i'm bored i think i'll have a kid i didn't say that why are you being so negative
1: hello anybody home you're a guy alex this is totally against the natural order guys do not have babies we leave that to the women that's part of the beauty of being a guy didn't your father ever have this talk with you
0: look if you don't want to help me just say so but i don't need a lecture the hell you don't If you could feel for one minute the sense of absolute joy and connection that carrying your baby brings, you would understand. Listen to you! Have you lost it completely? Now come inside! If I carry this baby to Terra, it will be a miracle. And I would love, protect, and nurture the milk of it, everything I've got in me. Stop it! No, I don't stop it! I want my baby! Shh!
2: I mean, I guess, like, it's still nice to see Schwarzenegger poking fun at himself, wanting to wear this silly belly and wear a dress and a wig and, and be silly. And in that respect, okay, I'll hand it to him. He wanted to do this movie. He wanted to be silly. Whereas a lot of other action stars, again, would not. So, yeah,
3: like, I imagine Bruce Willis doing this, and it's, like, it's probably Oh, you
2: can't, because yeah. he wouldn't... he, well, he wouldn't.
3: wouldn't, or he would have to do so many, like, like gay panic jokes or something like or that. Or show
2: I off, like. like, him doing one-handed push-ups in a bunch of scenes, you know I yeah. mean? Like, proving, like, I'm still a man, I'm still a man. Um,
3: yeah, Arnold goes for it in this, like, the stuff he's wearing is ridiculous. Yeah,
2: he goes for it, and, and sure. for that, I, I applaud <laughs> sure. him.
3: It looks very comfortable. I mean, I, I kind <laughs> of wanted to... Put on some of these ensembles. Totally breathable.
2: <laughs> I don't know like what came after this as far as comedies go for Schwarzenegger. I'm thinking of Jingle All the
4: Way. When last was, Action Hero was that kind before of before
2: or after this.
4: Oh Jingle
3: All the Way is after this. No, but
2: I mean um last action hero.
3: Same year. I'm I'm not sure which one was filmed first, mm. but Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, I still think Last Action
4: Hero does kind of hold up, if only in the sense that it's, like, so much more directly riffing off of and making fun of Schwarzenegger's star charisma and image oh, as a celeb.
2: Because he's literally, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah. Well, that was a notorious flop, and this didn't do well, so I think it probably, like, killed his comedy career for a few years. He That's went back probably to true. making action movies for a few years Well, i know there was
2: batman and robin
3: eraser was a big hit.
2: eraser
3: and then he eventually went back to like terminator in 2003 but yeah he d- he did do a few like dad roles as well like jingle all the way but that concept didn't really trade on him like anybody could have played that could have been tim allen or oh, yeah. Tr- totally. true
2: lies was the same year as junior and true lies i think was like one of the best comedies he's been in
3: yeah, but just not con- it's not the same kind of comedy cuz it's more more considered an action movie.
2: Yeah, but like after Junior, I think like Jingle All the Way was a comedy, but that didn't get good reviews. Bam and Robin, we all know. Um, it's and, pretty funny. And then it was pretty much like just action 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 action. And Governor. <laughs> and Governor. Well, yes, I'm the Governor. But all the movie roles he has is The Expendables. Right. Terminator 3. Collateral Damage. Definitely nothing to write home about, you know? Like, kind of just filler. Clearly, he's still a very famous, rich, <laughs> powerful person, regardless of the state of these movies. But... Like, it seems like this was where it went down.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's someone that you can put in a direct-to-DVD movie or something that's just kind of getting released, you know, basically for foreign audiences, because he's so recognizable all around the world, that, like, he's probably bankable in that way. But yeah, he hasn't done a really good, like... And even, like, he came back for the last Terminator movie, which was (laughs) god-awful.
4: Yeah, and it's like, you never know to what extent things like this are, like, catching lightning in a bottle or whatever but so much of the stuff that we liked about these movies even if we liked the movies to varying degrees so much of what we liked about them and so much of what we all thought worked was tied into him directly both him as a performer and him getting collaborators and especially writers who knew how to like actually write for him and do something with that
3: rather than just point at the big person (laughs) and be like look how weird yeah but i think he is also like Influence so much of where action has gone because so much of action is about a very very muscular man like now you pretty much have to no one's quite as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger like no one's a bodybuilder a bodybuilder but like they're very muscular and kind of have that robotic personality like they seem like they come from another planet and are just very like perfect ass kickers. He was that for so long and I think there's more to him than that because he's actually very funny as well and has a very unique persona but I think the reason that he might not still have the same career, I mean obviously he's arguably a bit old to be playing
2: He's 74.
3: Yeah, the same like true lies, like that would be harder to buy now and even in the Terminator movie he had to play like old Terminator but I feel like also action movies kind of stole what they liked about him and then like took it and ran with it and now like like, every action movie or, like, a lot of them are bad versions of what Arnold did.
2: I feel like, you know, he's not as relevant anymore as an actor. He's a figure, still. Everyone still knows who he is. But, like, as far as movie roles, like, I feel like The Rock and John Cena are taking all those roles. For yeah. the for the very big, tall guy who can do comedy. Yep. Yeah. And action. That's right.
3: The Rock is a really good comparison because he also has a similar kind of poking fun at himself. Like, I'm not really drawn to The Rock, but it is similar
2: yeah i actually love john cena
4: i do too like i hope john cena like keeps doing comedy like i loved him in peacemaker like I
2: oh think he's, he's he's so funny he's peacemaker. like genuinely
4: super fucking funny
2: yeah he is a he is a great comedic actor on that show yeah but you know i think there's just something he that arnold has that you know he doesn't necessarily have and the rock is like one of the biggest stars on the planet but i would say arnold's a better actor than him
4: I think he's a much better. Honestly, I've never I've never bought The Rock as playing any of the characters no, I've ever seen him rock play. The Rock plays
2: The Rock. Plays yeah. variations of The Rock. Yeah. And and you might argue that about Arnold, but he's just so charming and and really goes there that watching The Rock with a pregnant belly isn't as funny as arnold of the pregnant belly because arnold just like will make the silliest goofiest faces and really like want to be looked at as like a comedic actor versus the rock i feel like i can't he just it's like it just doesn't work i don't know what it is
3: the rock has made so many movies that make so much money and i was astounded to like look at them and be like i've hardly seen any of these movies because none of them actually is he actually in
4: daddy daycare is that him Or is yeah,
2: or is that someone else that's, that's, that's Eddie
3: Murphy at oh least is it but he's in a movie that's similar to oh that. the
2: pacifier
3: yeah oh that's the one the pacifier. okay
4: okay
2: yeah, oh just my God it's not that I think that Arnold is a great actor but he can like sell a line you know and it really depends on the role but like I watch him in Terminator and I'm like the guy's got presents you know and then I see him in twins and I was like yeah like he knows how to make funny facial expressions and work with ac- other people I don't know he's just there's just something that magic pixie does Of an it person. He's got Moxie. It's got Moxie.
3: No screenplay calls for gigantic Austrian man. Like, (laughs) that's not something that's written into a screenplay unless, you know, they already know who (laughs) they're (laughs) casting. (laughs) but he's been in a lot of movies and he's i think always convincing as the character i can't think of a movie where i thought he was like not right i mean there's a lot of movies where i'm like i don't think that they wrote that part like for someone like him but there's not like true lies is a good example like where it's like it's clearly written for someone who's like an average suburban guy because like the can see is that he is a secret agent posing as like a suburban husband, and like his wife has no idea, but like he looks like a secret agent. Like <laughs> you look at him, and you're like, Oh, yeah, that's him. You know, <laughs> yeah. he looks more like a secret agent than he looks like an average guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you still buy that movie because he's good in it and the movie's good. So yeah. I think it speaks a lot to his talent that he's able to make his personal, like, very off what normal actors are like and fit that into a movie and still be convincing like that is good acting
4: yeah yeah and it's and it's also like I, I think just by way of comparison, there have been so many other movie stars and you know, hugely bankable names of people who everyone knows that they're just playing themselves, and the whole trick of it is that they're just playing themselves and not doing anything with that beyond just the performance of that. but he has a a real commitment and discipline to that performance and to selling that performance. In a way that makes those things carry a lot further, and I and I do think like there's a way in which he got very underrated in in that capacity. I, I'm sure to a large extent, doing successful comedy and sustaining that as a career really is like a catching lightning in a bottle kind of scenario, and maybe with another collaborator, it might have been different or might have taken a different turn that was also positive for him. But also, I just find myself wishing that he would, like, one more good comedy or, like, something, like, truly off the wall. I think his, like, commitment, in a way, to me, I easily relate it to, like, his bodybuilding. He just has, like, a discipline when he knows that he wants to do something and get something across, and no one can, like, shake him from that.
2: I'm gonna say a really strange thing, maybe, but he reminds me of, like, Marilyn Monroe, where...
3: (laughs) They do look similar, Where
2: yeah. Where it's they are known so iconically for their physical appearance but I know at the time like she really really cared about acting and would study like Stanislavski and, and have an acting coach and I think that he really cares about his performance Absolutely. You know, as, particularly in the movies that are more good than you know collateral damage or something like like ones that he's working with like real directors and stuff I think he really cares and I don't think he gets enough credit for that that he is working with Milton Burl <laughs> on twins and, yeah. and he he really wants to nail what you think he may not be good at which is comedy for somebody who's a bodybuilder yeah it just it reminds me of that and i feel like decades from now i feel like people will look upon him fondly and he will be like one of those icons that's like on street art you know throughout hollywood and stuff
3: and it'll be the poster from junior where he has <laughs> a big pregnant belly right next to Marilyn <laughs> yep. on the s- sewer
4: grate <laughs> And that's all the monkey fertility drugs we have left on this episode of When We Were Young. On our next episode, Chris and I take on our most daunting subject yet, 1990s Creature Features. Revisiting no less than six creepy-crawly cinematic escapades from our childhood, including Tremors, Arachnophobia, Congo, Anaconda, Lake Placid, and Deep Blue Sea, we'll be reporting back to you on how these hit movies and our innermost childhood terrors associated with their subjects have held up over these past decades. The When We Were Young podcast is a production of the MFP Studio Studio in Los Angeles, California. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcast product, and rate and review us on your favorite platform so more people see the show. You can follow us on all the social medias at www.yshow, and contribute to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash young so we can produce more episodes that we then distribute
3: for free. I have been Seth. I'm Chris.
2: And I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess! Help! Hello?
1: Is anybody
0: here?